welcome to this podcast. I'm Laura Horton. And I'm Michael Bentley. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for joining us. For this month's podcast, we are bringing you not one, but two guests. This is the third guest edition podcast, and we're so excited. The couple we have are a couple in every sense. They're husband and wife, they're business partners. And I'm going to use the words power couple to describe them. They are both impressive as individuals, but together, trust me, they are forced to be reckoned with. They make magic in their work life and they change lives daily as well. You're going to learn so much from them today. Now, The Dentist is an author of a book. It's raised lots of money for charity. He is an examiner for the British Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry accreditation examinations. So obviously, therefore, he is accredited himself. One of the first eight, I believe, will clarify that. He's also a multi-award winning dentist. He has got so many unique selling points that the team are spoilt for choice when they're communicating with patients. The second, and some would say, better half is a hugely intelligent lady she has been instrumental in creating the brand to support her husband's dentistry and has grown the practice from two surgeries to five now you may not know this couple you may not have heard of them there's only one facebook account between them and this couple you only know if you're in the know let's put it like that um, there has never been a desire um, for the limelight that you will not have seen this couple lecturing at events. They won't have been any articles in, in journals. So another word that I would use to describe them is humble. So now I need to introduce them. So please welcome Neil and Fiona Gerrard. Hello. Hi. Hello. How are you both? We're doing great, thank you, as always. Good, thank you. I've never been described as a power couple before, though. <laughs> well, you are. There you go. <laughs> Fiona would say she's the powerful one, and I'm like this. And <laughs> the one who's dominated, I think. <laughs> That's a great way to start. <laughs> well, let's get straight into it. I think um, what our listeners would be really keen to know about is your story. So can you take us right back to the beginning? I think, Neil, we'll start with you and um, then you can also explain your, your love story and how you met. So you're, are you OK to go right back to the beginning? How did you begin your career? Um, so uh, my father owned a uh, laboratory, uh, dental laboratory in North East London for many, many years. And for, at school holidays, I used to go into the laboratory and play with teeth, essentially. And that's uh, where that interest came from. Um, uh, and it was something that I enjoyed doing. Didn't know what else I wanted to do at the time. Um, so carried on and qualified as a dental technician and specialised in cosmetic and implant treatments along the way. Um, not long after I qualified as a technician, the opportunity came up for me to then go back to university uh, to do dentistry. Um, obviously, a lot of hard work in between that. It didn't just fall in my lap, night school, doing A-levels and et cetera, things like that. Um, and with that opportunity, it was something that I wanted to make a difference in people's lives. Um, I thought I could offer something more than I was seeing in the laboratory in terms of the results of cosmetic treatments, implant treatments, and just generally the general quality of care, really. Um, uh, you know, fast forward, you know, university, 
um, coming out of university. I think I was coming up 30 at the time. So uh, there was a slightly older student. So I think I missed out on a few parties and just letting things go wild. <laughs> so, so I was a, a marriage student, by the way, uh, as well. So I had a slightly different experience at university than most people. But uh, it was a lot of fun. I wouldn't necessarily choose to do it again, but it was a lot of fun at the time. Um, so from that point of qualifying as such, then it was a case of, you know, which direction did I want to go in? And the direction was really the same as what drove me to go and do dentistry in the first place, which was the, the cosmetic and the implant side of things, you know, making people smile, basically, restoring their smile, their ability to chew. You know, it wasn't there to to fill a, a posterior tooth with composite or, or take a tooth out. That's got no interest. I've got no desire in that at all and never have. So from that point, it's just been a lot of hard work, um, a lot of commitment um, to learning the craft, as they say, uh, with that from attending multiple courses um, for clinical side of things. Um, and then, uh, I think that culminated in a, a master's degree maybe about four years ago. Along the way, um, I realized that I needed to learn a lot more in terms of skills from a business side of things as well. Um, that wasn't there to start with, and I've made many, many mistakes, um, or we as a team have made many, many mistakes, and I'm sure you've heard that from many people before. Um, so there was, a, there was a point maybe seven, eight years ago probably a bit longer now because time's flying very quickly um where we we realized we needed to up our game on the business side of things and um and that is where we've been um not just concentrating on the clinical aspect but the business side and running that in tandem so again a lot of hard work and fortunately fiona's been there to support that all the way through that's fantastic isn't it i mean what a journey that is neil i mean you know what an extraordinary journey and i think fiona obviously your journey is very different moving into dentistry and supporting neil with the actual business itself so what was your journey of actually uh, coming into dentistry because i understand i know that you had a massive field in medical but not in dentistry so what's your journey well my journey really was i was a general nurse and i was an orthopedic ward sister prior to coming into dentistry and as you know the NHS has a lot of restrictions around it and for me personally although I loved my job it was becoming increasingly difficult um, just due to lots of red tape etc and I just felt that you were fighting for your patients rights every day which I felt was wrong and Neil had bought the business and I came and started here one day a week, really just doing reception to support him. And then my nursing job was then suffering, really having dropped one day a week because I was trying to do two things, which really doesn't work. And I left the NHS and came to support Neil full time, which was probably about 13 years ago now. And I can remember my first day quite clearly. I sat in here behind a desk and I thought, I've got no idea what to do <laughs> or why I'm here. I really didn't. But, um, and as I say, well, 13 years have gone really, really quickly and things have evolved in the terms of the business and how it's run. I think when we first started, we had three team members. We now have 
17 team members. So that's been a massive change in following all that through and recruiting people, training them, retaining them within the business. And things are ever evolving. So we're always changing what we do because I think you need to keep moving forward with the times. You need to progress and really, that was my journey. So that's how I ended up here. And I, in between all that, I've also had a baby who is now five. So that was a change for me because I now work part time, which I still find incredibly difficult, actually, because I feel like I miss a lot of things. But I do job share with somebody here, the lovely Lorraine, who's been here for eight years now and that works out really well we cover the five days between us we've got excellent communication so that really helps massively and I really concentrate on the business side of things and Lorraine very much deals with the HR and that works really well for us so that's probably my journey to date really oh it's fabulous it's a real love story as well isn't it which is just wonderful so how long have you both been married then it will be 25 years this year Oh, wow. Amazing. Congratulations. Congratulations. She says she was a child bride. I was a child bride. (laughs) (laughs) Well, neither of you look old enough. Neither of you look old enough to be married 25 years. So that is absolutely Congratulations, honestly. Right. So we come across a lot of husband and wife teams and Everyone in dentistry has opinions, don't they, about husband and wife teams. So I wanted to pick your brain. What advice would you give to dentists that are about to bring in or have recently brought in their partner, life partner, to support them in the business with management of the business? What advice would you give? (laughs) I think you have to have a clear cut role. I think the team will probably see you as just the wife. And I think you need to be able to prove that you're not just the wife, that you have got skills that you can actually run the business. I think it's quite important that you don't work together as such. So obviously I can't dental nurse, so I never work clinically with Neil. And therefore I'm doing a very different role and a role that he really has no interest in. So we're quite clear cut on that. For Neil and I, actually, for a lot of people, this might not work. We are quite happy at home to discuss things. We find that easier because you're out of the way of everybody else. So we're quite happy to discuss it at home. But we don't discuss it all the time, all weekend. It's not all consuming. So so that would be my advice. I don't know if Neil's got anything different. Yes, the the the, the clear roles are key I, you know, on a weekly basis. I can go half the week or two thirds of the week without even seeing Fiona in the practice. You know, there is a, it'd be a hello as we pass each other. So essentially we're not working together. It sounds, it sounds a little bit odd, but it works great for us. Um, I don't want to concentrate on the day-to-day management of things. Fiona's great at doing that. I mean, Fiona came in um, with a skill set which was fairly unique compared to maybe some other partners that may be joining business. There's a ward sister or ward manager. She was managing 36 women um, on a daily basis uh, in the hospital, which takes some effort. Um, And as most of your listeners will probably have already come across, it's the management of people that takes up most time and can be quite challenging. 
um, on a on a monthly, weekly, daily basis. So she came in with that experience already, which transferred very, very easily into a dental practice in terms of the numbers of patients, sorry, number of uh, staff or team members that we've got. So I would say maybe if you're bringing in a partner to the business, um, they do need that specific role. Um, there needs to be some uh, lines drawn where you don't overstep too much one side or the other. And also if there is you know, no skill or no experience in that other field, whether it be management, whether it be bookkeeping, um, whatever it be, that maybe uh, that you should go away and, and maybe learn some skills in that before you actually come into the business. That's great advice. Yeah, absolutely fantastic advice. And I think that brings me nicely to start to talk about, you know, that you've made so much development in your team and I think that goes back to your vision Neil doesn't it of the fact that you're interested in cosmetic dentistry you're interested in changing people's smiles you're interested in restoring function so the other elements of dentistry that are needed like gum health and normal restorative care you've brought in an amazing team of skills to support you with that and um, can you talk through with the listeners the people that you've added into the business why you've added them into the business and um, how they've moved your business forward I was probably one of the um, first people to recognize the value of um, therapists um, I think when I took the business over that was probably the point where therapy had been legalized by the general dental council and there was a that's just when the therapists were coming through qualified at the time so um, i could see the benefit of working with therapists and it wasn't a financial decision it was um, a decision to maintain some quality control in what we were delivering um, in the practice and we were fortunate to bring in um, our first therapist, Heather, um, who I think she was maybe 21, 22 at the time. Um, she's got a very mature head on her shoulders and um, she's been here for 11 years. And she fitted in very well with our ethos in terms of the type of care that we wanted. Um, and she's helped us not only develop um, and grow the team, but she's also developed and grown herself a significant amount as well. I think the other um, key uh, team member position that we, um, or that came, became very evident to me uh, very early on as well, was the role of the treatment coordinator in, in, this, in the practice. And again, that's something that we've worked with a treatment coordinator um, for probably nearly the 13 years that I've had the practice or 14 years that I've had the practice uh, there. Now, we've, we have gone through a number of treatment coordinators over the years. Um, you know, people move on, um, they leave. But one of the key factors, um, part of the team, is that we are always training the team members. We're always developing the team members. And, you know, we, are, we don't like to lose people, but we're also happy for those people to go on and develop themselves further as well you know we're, we're more than happy to help people move up to another position um, if we are unable to offer them and um, what they feel um, they're looking for as they move and progress in their own careers fabulous and 
you know, you have both made huge investments, haven't you, in your careers, clinically and in running of the business. You have travelled probably the world, <laughs> most <laughs> of the world. How, how important has it been for you both to travel to different countries to pick different people to work with to support you in your vision and also you know to make such a huge investment in that how, how has that experience been for you why did you start sort of moving abroad and investing heavily in those areas um I, well i've i've been traveling the the world for many many years and that was from the clinical side of things searching out the very best people um around the world you know from learning implants composites uh cosmetic treatments um that seemed to be a a good thing to do at the time not just because i wanted to go to north america or south america it was you know seeking out the best people in terms of the actual business um it was very much a case of we had tried to work with some um, some people in the UK um, for coaching and found that um, they weren't necessarily you know walking their talk as I would say they you know they talked the talk but they didn't walk their own talk and therefore um, you know what they were advising us wasn't really working very well for us. And that's when we looked further afield and you know and it's not that everywhere's in it's it, sorry i'll start again it's particularly the us that we went to um and we found a, a company in the us where i think the the guy that owns the the management company or the coaching companies is, is worth something like a hundred million dollars now um and that's what you call you know walking the talk now that's not necessarily perfect for everybody but it fitted in in terms of team training with us it was very much a team focused approach it wasn't just this is what you should do as the principal or the manager it was including the whole team and we got a lot of benefit from that now we're not doing that anymore you know, because as always these relationships they do come to an end at some point because you get to a point where you can't learn anymore and i don't say you can't learn anymore per se, it's just that you don't necessarily learn more from these individuals and then you need to go to the next level. So we don't do that anymore, but that's where um, we were taking things and that was the significant, or the biggest reason for, for moving around and trying to find people that fitted our ethos. And I think as well, having taken the team to America, it's given them a very well-rounded view of different things. They can actually take different elements and aspects from things that we've learned in America and from things we've learned here and implement that into the business. And the team that have all been to America, they are all still here. And we still talk about things that we've done there and we have we still use things here that we have implemented. So it's given them a very well-rounded view of what's out there. Really yeah, what, yes. So really what you did back then was look for somebody to support you, a company to support you that's got that substance. That company had that substance for you. Everything fitted well. So you're really therefore happy to go and make that investment. And like you say, take the team as well. That's wonderful, isn't it? But it yeah. is it is a huge investment for you, isn't it? But it sounds like it's been a really good journey that those team members are still there with you today. Mm. from investing in them 
and taking them and you just said Neil as well that you you're always you know investing in your team and putting your team forward which is just lovely how important has it been to you in regards to prioritizing investments so obviously you have a life that you want to lead and you want to you know have a nice life but also you've been investing heavily in your education over all of these years did you put that as a priority to yourselves yes but really it was um I mean, you know, what what I do is is not just work; it is a passion, and I can't come to to work every day and not enjoy what I'm doing. So it was very much a case of, you know, I'm I'm doing what I'm doing. I've worked very hard at, at invest, or I've invested in that, and worked very hard to achieve what I wanted to do, and also set up the business, the practice as a whole and make that fit around how I want to work on a daily basis. Now that has meant looking at the long term rather than just taking short term gain. It's very easy to take short term gain. And I know plenty of uh, colleagues that have done that and they they get up in the morning and they hate going to work. Yeah. And that's not good, is it? And I think, you know, that that's a really clear message for our listeners that you've got to enjoy what you're doing. You've got to remain passionate, haven't you? And make sure that you are moving yourself forward and not getting stuck in the drudge of, of everyday dentistry, which starts to burn people out, really, and starts to make people feel like, well, I don't want to go to work tomorrow. Fiona, I've got a really big question for you, actually. Um, you know, I think your job share is a very unique strategy within dentistry that you've got that trust with somebody to do a, a job share you know as you said with Lorraine and also mm -hmm. you know the development of your team has kept moving forward and you've got a lot of leaders in your practice which again is quite unique you know the le leader opportunities are becoming more commonplace in practices but getting away from this you know just you just need a business manager and a practice manager but just having people that do lead different areas of the team what brought that about and what changes and benefits do you think that's had in the business well I think as we started to grow the team and initially it was probably only myself that was managing things. And as you know, HR things are constantly evolving and changing. We realized there was a need to bring team leaders on board. So if Neil and I were out of the business, obviously being husband and wife, we'd go on holiday together. And therefore we needed other people that were able to cope with the business while we were out of it and that's what that's why we first introduced that so we now have a therapy hygiene team leader nurse team leader front desk team leader and a treatment coordinator team leader as well so they're all able to manage their individual teams it gives them some autonomy and recognition of what they are doing and it stops people from becoming stagnant as well so it's it's moving them along and they are actually the team that have been here the longest those people are actually the, the people that have been here in the business the longest so they've been here between five years and 11 years all of them and you know we have regular team leader meetings so that we can discuss things how to move forward what we can do with the teams and from my point of view job sharing with Lorraine it makes a massive difference we're both part-time we can concentrate on slightly different aspects 
what I would say about that job is you need to work with somebody very closely. Therefore, you both need to have excellent communication skills. And Lorraine and I are very, very different people. We actually work very differently, but we can see each other's point of view. And I say we communicate with each other on a daily basis, almost like a handover. And we actually work together on a Wednesday. So then we can sit down and get things done together. So for us, it's made a massive difference. If Neil and I, as I say, are not here, we can walk out of the business and we know that it's in safe hands. We've got those mechanisms in place. That's absolutely brilliant. And how do you feel about that, Neil? How Do you like the fact that you've got lots of team leaders that are responsible for the business and helping to drive it on a day by day basis? Do you feel that makes a difference to you? Yeah, it makes a huge difference. I mean, that was one of the big things we got out of working with the, the coaching company in the US um, before we started there. You know, we there was probably team leaders by default. Um, where we were uh, you know, delegating certain aspects, but it wasn't very clear. It wasn't clarified that, you know, the positions weren't in stone as such and they didn't know where the lines were. And now it's a case if we've got a very clear structure on how we work the business. You know, for example, I can't remember the last time that I, I actually interviewed and hired a member of staff. You know, <laughs> you know, everything gets delegated. You know, I'm one of these individuals where, I've got no follow through in terms of um, my activities. Uh, you know, I've got a lot of vision. I know where I want to be, um, but come back to me tomorrow and half of that's been forgotten. And if I didn't get it action straight away, it doesn't get followed through. And by having team leaders, it enables me to delegate things very quickly, very clearly. And I know those things will get implemented. And this is how we've been able to grow the business. If it was all back on my shoulders, I'd still be thinking about what I had to do, what was going to get done, or it would take 10 times longer. <laughs> and I just have one other question, because I think that's so key as well, that I know that you work really hard on treatment planning and you work alongside your treatment coordination team to do that. What difference does treatment planning make to your business and how do you feel about working with treatment coordinators on a day-by-day -day -day basis? I mean, it's an integral part of the, of the business at the end of the day. Um, Without that, the business wouldn't function as it does. Um, you know, it enables, again, the business to grow. It means I can step away from certain aspects and concentrate on um, developing the business, the vision of the business, um, rather than having to sit there every day or every evening going through extensive treatment plans. You know, have they paid the money? What's been scheduled? When are they booked in for the treatment? Have the implants been ordered, et cetera, et cetera? So those, uh, those aspects of the process are essentially all delegated. Obviously, I'm responsible for the whole thing. Um, and you know, we, we're not perfect at it. We do miss things from time to time and you know, from that side of things. But it makes a huge difference. And you know, this is one thing um, in terms of my goals is I don't want to be doing things I don't like doing. So if I can delegate those things to people that love doing those tasks, then we end up with a very happy team all the way around. That is great. And I think both of you right now are really inspiring our listeners because it sounds like a, a dream practice to, to many that are listening. And we don't want to make it sound 
overwhelming in any way because it's taken a, a lot of hard work, hasn't it, from you both as this, as I say, power couple team to get there over this period of time. I would like to just just switch slightly, just picking up on something that you said, Fiona, about holidays. Now, mm -hmm. for the length of time that I've known you, to me, it's been very clear that you've had a very good work-life balance. Holidays have been very important to you. How did that work in the early days with taking holidays? Because again, this is something that couples struggle with. So how have you got any tips about taking holidays <clears throat> as a couple out of the business in the early days? But also, has your work-life balance always been great? Or was it something that was a high priority to you right from the start? I think it's something that needs to be worked on. I mean, back in the early days, we just had to go on holiday because if you didn't, you would not have had any holiday and we just had to keep in touch regularly. And I think going back to quite early days, we probably didn't have the right team members at the time. And but you just had to rely on them because you would never have left otherwise. We did at the time always used to have Christmas off because the business was shut at Christmas. So I would definitely recommend that as a top tip. Close between Christmas. It just gives you that break where you're not having to chase emails, look at anything. You're not worrying about it because the place is closed. Now it is much easier because we do have a much better structure in place. So therefore, it's not a problem. I'd still say sometimes we probably struggle with work-life balance because now we have Ayla, who's five. There's much more organisation needs to go into things because you have somebody else to think about. But it's just a case of, I think, personally being very, very organised, which is my job. That's not Neil's job. And, um, yeah, he struggles with that being organised. So, for example, I'm away for the next two days, so Neil will be left a list of exactly what needs to be done at work. <laughs> at work and at home otherwise the poor child will go to school naked but um <laughs> but, but yeah it's, i think it's something that you definitely need to work quite hard on and i think you need to make that decision otherwise especially in your early days you're going to burn out you still need to have time off even if you don't have a specific structure in place you will just burn out otherwise I was oh, going to say, I'm, I'm really not that useless as a man. I'm quite casual <laughs> of looking after my daughter. <laughs> but I, 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 I'm a vision person. I'm thinking about next week, next two year. months' time, end of the year, next year, whatever it be. I'm not thinking about what needs to be done today. You know, I'm, I, apparently, I, you know, I float around and my satellite's out of range most of the time for most people. You know, <laughs> every now and again, the satellite comes back in range and I'm, I'm back on planet Earth. <laughs> <laughs> so I just, it's so funny, Neil. I just wanted yeah. to ask, how far ahead do you book your holidays then, just to share with our listeners? How far ahead do you look at? Um, well, it varies, to be honest. Sometimes it can be last minute. This year, actually, is probably the most organised I've been. And that might be because Ayla started school in September. So I've realised I have to be probably a lot more organised. It's not just about us anymore. So sometimes you can do it ad hoc, but I probably wouldn't recommend that. So, <laughs> so this year, actually, I have booked for the whole year. And we actually were going away in December. And we actually booked that in January. So yeah i would say yeah if you can get your diary planned on a yearly basis i mm. think that 
that functions very well but for me personally i still like a little bit of ad hoc in there and uh, but that probably that probably works because i've got a good structure in place with team leaders <laughs> exactly you like a bit of um you still want some spontaneous breaks i'm hearing yeah. here fiona yeah, yeah, that's yeah, and, and I'm not structured at all, so yeah, I'm like, yeah, we'll go away in two weeks. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> and then I go, oh, you, you can't go away, you've got patience. Oh, and I'm like, yeah. damn, <laughs> yeah, in regards to taking time out the business as well, if we could just touch on awards. So, I said in the introduction, you're a, a multi award winning dentist, you're also a multi award winning practice as well, and there's no doubt about it entering these wards uh, awards is an investment in time in money attending them is more time out of the business more cost to attend hotel stays for many people in your opinion fiona and neil which are the best awards to enter and why so clinically the aesthetic dentistry awards are the ones that you get judged on clinically you know what you know that smile was a great looking smile that's what you're being judged on um so from that side of things if you're trying to sell cosmetic dentistry or if, if that's your passion and that's what you want to be uh providing um implant dentistry orthodontics etc it doesn't matter what it really is there um then i'm going to you know i can't recommend enough that you um, invest in awards um, from the clinical side of things so that your team can sit and say look you know you're seeing this dentist they're the best dentist they've won all of these awards you're going to end up with great treatment the the you know, you've got private dentistry awards you've got the dentistry awards um they're okay um in terms of maybe giving a more rounded view of the practice or the business as a whole um, you know, and it'd be something like, you know, the best patient care. Um, I can't remember too many off the top of my head. You know, yeah, best practice, things like that. So yeah, I wouldn't just try and focus on one set of awards consistent, you know, all the time. You need to be spreading that around. But it does take hard work. You know, it, there's no doubt about it. And um, whether you're going for the more rounded just practice based awards or the individual treatment awards, um, there's a lot to invest in that but the other side of that is that you get so many unique selling points from that um, or bragging rights for your team it's invaluable and, and I'd like to say but one of the things about doing these you need to be sort of pre-planning pre that about six months ahead because it actually takes more time than what you think and especially if you're doing the team one because you've, we've done that before and we get them all involved and they all write their own little bits and pieces and then if you do win something what you need to remember then is to make the most use of it you need to be marketing that and putting it out there so that people are aware that you've won this so you need to be leveraging that quite well and I think that leads us nicely to how fantastic your brand is as a practice as well. And I know you've worked really hard on your branding experience and making sure that people really know what your brand is all about, but also that the team reflect that brand on a, an, an absolute day by day, day basis on what they do. What ch significant changes have you made in that brand? And obviously, one of the one of them is definitely the awards that you've done. And that's definitely added a lot of unique selling points. And both of your experiences combined, I think, have added so much to that brand. But what branding trips would you have for practices? And how important do you think the brand is? Um, 
people you know will mistake advertising and what you look like on an advert as your brand where the reality is your brand is everything you do um and that comes from you it comes from the team and you know you build you build the brand on the back of that um and you know you need vision you need direction in terms of where the practice is going but uh, the brand you, you can manufacture the brand um but the brand is also it's organic to a certain degree it actually builds itself it grows itself um based on your philosophy of care the treatment and essentially the team and the people because without the team and the people you know the, the it doesn't matter whether you've got nice decor whether you've got leaflets or you know information leaflets etc you've got welcome pack and all those things with without the team those things uh, they're not very meaningful they don't mean much you know they, so i would say it's very much concentrate on the team develop the team but the team do need a vision they need to know where they're going and that's not always easy to translate and that's in my experience as well you, you know you've mentioned that we have a good brand but it's taken a lot of effort to communicate that um so i think that, yeah, there's probably not much more i can say um regarding that i'll let Fiona. Well, I'll, I'll butt in I, I think over the last sort of two or three years you know we've really sort of hammered on the team leaders so what we do now is we have a quarterly day out the team leaders so at the at the end of every quarter we meet up and neil just goes through the vision again we go through the branding so that the team leaders really know where we are and then they can impart that out to the team basically and then it's getting people to believe in it so we have a team meeting every month as well with the whole team and then we can discuss things there as well because you really need your team to be behind you on your brand and your vision because they're the people that are seeing a lot of your clients most of the time so again that's all about coming back to pre-planning is getting all those meetings into your diary at the, you know well sort of last year for this year you know i'll be starting to think about next year in the next couple of months and getting all those meetings into the diary so it's, it's really getting your team behind you yeah and i think do you know what is coming clear out of your partnership here is that you know as you say neil's the vision operator he's the one that's got on on the right satellite to start you know communicating the ways and you you've put a platform for neil to do that and then what i love about you fiona is then you go on and you start to make it more logistical and you start to add all the framework to make sure that the branding experience is working on a day-by-day -day basis as you say making sure that each team member know what part of the brands that they are playing. How powerful is that? It's fantastic. I know Laura has got an amazing question to ask you. <laughs> no pressure. I wanted to ask, um, Neil, really for you, implant dentistry is a, is a huge area and so many young dentists um, are feeling pressure to move into that area. Now you've invested heavily in your training for implant dentistry, as we've said, you've traveled the world. And then a few years ago, you've completed an MSc as well. What would your advice be for dentists that want to get into implant dentistry? Um, that's that's an interesting question. Um, you know, you've got the academic side of things and then you've got the hands-on and the practical side of things. And, you know, we are living in an era now where you're seeing a lot of young qualified dentists or newly qualified dentists that are trying to run before they can walk. And, you know, that you can cut 
you can cut things a little bit. You can cut corners by, you know, going and doing a specific course and you can accelerate your, your education. Um, but you can only accelerate it so much. Uh, you know, so my advice is going to be, you know, you need to learn the basics first. And, you know, once you've got the basics, you know, which is your occlusion, your aesthetics, your patient management, that's a huge basics uh, with that. And then I would start maybe investing um, more in more advanced clinical services. Now, you know, if you are doing clinical services, then the other side of that is do you do an academic route or do you go to independent uh, courses of uh, from you know renowned clinicians around the world? And my, you know, I've done both and they, they both fit together very well. Um, but if you have to choose one to start with, it wouldn't be the academic MSC. Um, you know, you come out with a, a master's degree, but it doesn't mean to say you can do implants. Um, and that's the same with other treatments as well. You come out with a degree or master's degree, but it doesn't mean to say you can actually do the treatment. Try to learn the hands on. Um, the best you can, and then layer in the academic on top of that if you wish to do so. That's Very amazing, good. amazing tip there about implants. And um, finally, then, just can you just think about a couple of top tips that you would give uh, both of you on the both sides of the business that would really help our listeners and that you think, do you know what, if I'd had that tip, that would have saved me a lot of time. Fiona, should we start with you? Yeah, I was just going to say, I think as a manager, I think you need to get to know your HR basics. I would say, looking back in the day, I didn't know that. Coming from the hospital background, if you had issues, yes, you had to deal with them, but you still had an HR department that things could be sent off to there. So I would say get to know your basics, definitely for HR get to know your team you need to know them as individuals they're very very different people so what one person can do another person can't even though you think they can do the same thing you need to get to know personalities we do a lot of work on personalities so disc profiling and we actually go through that quite a lot at team meetings just to remind everybody that we communicate in different ways like i'm a very to the point person therefore i don't want somebody coming to me who's trying to fluff things up I'm like get to the point so it's a communicate so I'd say the communication get to know your people individually and yeah definitely some HR basics before you even think about starting this job oh I think that's an amazing top tip and you Neil um I've, I've well I've probably got too many I, I think the um the, the probably the biggest one is learn to accept criticism um uh, for, so, for example, from a clinical aspect, you know, you submit cases for a BACD accreditation. Um, you're putting yourself out there for, a criti uh, for criticism and failure. Um, but without that, you can't grow. You know, um, and there's lots of there's lots of people, you know, not just in dentistry, but on the whole, that uh, are very they've got very fragile egos and their ego can't take the criticism. And, and therefore they don't grow they don't develop um, and that's probably one of the biggest things I managed fortunately to learn that at a relatively early stage um, I think I'm still learning that it doesn't go away and criticism doesn't necessarily get any easier but you learn to accept it because that again is the only way you can grow and move forward I'd just like to um, give one more can I just give um, one more tip? absolutely 
yeah. like to say that sometimes businesses, they're not all happy and plain sailing. And there are times when you go through negative times. Just keep communication lines open with your team because sometimes they don't always understand what's going on. You don't need to break any confidentialities, but just keep open communication. And while things sometimes might seem a bit negative, it's amazing how things turn around very quickly within a few weeks, couple of months. And, uh, you know, other people can't see that, but we can see that. So just, yeah, keep an open communication. And when things seem a bit negative, they'll soon turn around again. Yeah, and when you've been in business a while, I think you realise that there is a bit of a cycle of changes that do happen. And therefore, you have that experience once you've done them a couple of times. But if they're new experiences, that can feel quite tough, can't it? Uh, very tough at times. Yeah. And just I think another thing, don't take things personally because it's just life you, you I think as a manager you can't afford to take things personally just move on it, it, it is what it is ever so good brilliant you two have shared so much information today I you know we can't thank you enough for joining us on this podcast it's absolutely brilliant so I mean I've made lots of notes here I think the the biggest things that you've shared with everybody really are for me teamwork does make dream work because you're a great team and you've developed these team leaders to sit around you and support you and it really is creating dream work the majority of the time I think the other great tip Neil you've given there is really master clinical skills from a hands-on aspect before investing in master's degrees for example yeah uh, that's Fiona, a good <laughs> yeah Fiona, you said something excellent earlier which was essentially to be more than you know if you're coming into the practice to support your your partner as a dentist be more than the husband or wife that's coming into the business be more than that you know really have that unique skill set open communication you've talked about lots really really good hr being so important fantastic i think the other thing you've both said about is working alongside people or companies who have substance that works for you doesn't matter what your friends like or don't like or who recommends what it's about what works for you like you said people who can walk the talk and I just love what you've both said about learning to accept criticism uh, without it you can't grow failure is good essentially because then you're going to grow and don't take things personally and I think the last two things that I've really taken and hopefully our listeners will from you two as well is that you need to invest in your team and you need to be constantly developing your brand as well I can't thank you enough for joining us on our podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you both with us. And I'd just like to say thank you very much. Yes, thank You're you. Welcome. Thanks, Laura and Michael. Appreciate that. Thank you so much. Listeners, enjoy and share. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please subscribe so you can be notified of our next episode.